This week on Geek Explained, it's all about Batman. With the announcement of a new creative team coming this December and millions of new eyes on a Bat Family webcomic, this week I'm going to be counting down my top five comics for new readers to enter the world of the Batman. <laughs> Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is all about the Dark Knights, the caped crusader, the world's greatest detective himself, Batman. With Batman Day this past weekend, as of this recording, and tons and tons and tons of Bat news pretty much constantly going through the geek sphere, I figured this week would be a great time to talk about Batman. And with all of the stuff going on in the comics when it comes to Batman, I mean, he's got a brand new creative team that's going to be jumping on in December. They just dropped the first five issues as well as the first uh fully voiced episode of the webcomic Batman Wayne Family Adventures, there's been a lot of talk of accessibility to the character, accessibility to Batman, where to start reading if you want to start checking out his comics. So this week, I wanted to take a look at my five favorite stories to get you started reading Batman. These are five stories that are close to my heart, five stories that I think represent Batman well, and five stories that I think you can take as a jumping off point if you want to get into reading the character. We also have, of course, speaking of comics, this week's Comics Countdown, where I talk about all the comics you should be picking up at your local comic book shop this week. But before we get into all of that comic book goodness, let's go ahead and check in with this week's news. Alright guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous, but... Appropriately, we only have comic book news this week. (laughs) There was a ton of comic book news that came out, so we're skipping miscellaneous, skipping TV, not even taking a sideways glance at film, and we're jumping straight into comic book news. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, First off, we got the announcement of some Rad Bat comics this week. Uh, First off, Batgirls by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad with art by George Corona is going to be dropping in December of 2021. That's right, December this year. It's going to be starring Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane doing Batgirl things. I'm excited about this. I like this team, and I'm just glad that we finally got a Batgirls book with Steph and Cass at the forefront. We also got, speaking of legacy characters the announcement for batman beyond zero year if you picked up last week's batman urban legends you saw the lead-in the prologue to that where we got the death of bruce wayne in the batman uh 
Beyond Universe spoilers. And now we are going to see what the first year of Terry McGinnis flying solo as the one true Batman in Batman Beyond Neo Year, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Max Dunbar. That won't be dropping until April 2022. So a little bit of time to wait on that, but I'm very excited about this creative team. We also got the announcement of a Shadows of the Bat 12 issue weekly event that's going to be kicking off in November 2021 uh, alongside the end of Fear State. So this is, I think it's it's very interesting because it's all going to be written by uh, Mariko Tamaki, which awesome. Love that. Uh, the artists are going to be rotating and it's going to be Ivan Race and Danny Miki, Max Rayner, Amonke Nahula Pan. Ugh, I'm so sorry. Uh, and Jordi Belair. So all of all four of those art teams are going to be rotating through the book for all 12 issues. No word yet on whether it's going to be specific artists following specific characters or if it's just going to be in like going in order. But I'm very excited about this. This sounds really, really cool. Elsewhere in the DC Universe, we got word that a World of Krypton book as well as a Swamp Thing Green Hell book are both going to be dropping in December 2021. World of Krypton is going to be written by Robert Venditti with art by Michael Avon Oming. I've talked before about Oming's art and that it's not really my cup of tea, but I think a lot of that has to do with the books that I've read that feature his art are for grounded, um, more, uh, I don't know what the word is, more earthbound characters. And I think a book like The World of Krypton, which has been so you know, been given so many different adaptations with all kinds of wild designs really lends itself to Oming's art. So I'll be checking this out for sure. And then Swamp Thing Green Hell is going to be written by Jeff Lemire with art by Doug Monkey. This sounds awesome. I love that creative team. Really looking forward to this. Uh, Finally, on the DC side of things, we have One Star Squadron, written by Mark Russell with art by Steve Lieber. It's going to be dropping in December 2021. Um, This is essentially being set up as a Great Lakes slash West Coast Avengers book featuring characters like Power Girl, Red Tornado, and other Z-listers. You've already got me with Steve Lieber, but I am very excited to see how these characters are utilized by Mark Russell. Can't wait to pick this one up. Over on the Marvel side of things, we got the announcement that the Wastelanders, which is what the Old Man universe is now being called, are going to be getting a series of one-shots kicking off in December of this year. Uh, with some pretty exciting creative teams. First off, we have in order. I'm going to go through these in order of how they're going to be released. Uh, first off, we have Wolverine, Wastelanders Wolverine by Stephen S. DeKnight and Ibrahim Mustafa. Now, if that name, Stephen S. DeKnight, sounds familiar, he was the showrunner for Spartacus Blood and Sand and its subsequent uh, seasons, as well as Daredevil, at least for season one. Daredevil. Uh, Stephen S. Denied is one of my favorite creatives in Hollywood, and I'm very excited to see him tackle Wolverine and see what he brings to the character. We're also getting Hawkeye by Ethan Sachs and Ibrahim Roberson which is super cool. We're getting a Wastelanders Doom book by Tarun Gronbeck and Julius Ota. Uh, Tarun Gronbeck coming hot off the heels of her Valkyries book. Uh, I'm super into that. I'm super into her diving into Doctor Doom. That's going to be really cool. Uh, we're getting Star Lord by Rich Duke and Brent Peoples. Uh, that's good Peoples. And <laughs> sorry, 
That's terrible. Um, but this is, I'm not sure where on the timeline this is going to take place, but we got our Star-Lord. And then rounding out the group is Black Widow, also written by Stephen Estenite, but art by Well-B. Um, this group sounds interesting. I kind of wish there was more than one female book. Give me a Kate book. Kate is in this universe. She is doing things. If you read the Old Man Hawkeye book, you know she's out there. I don't know why we're not doing a Kate book, but... I understand Black Widow is highly marketable, so um, I'll be interested to see what these books are uh, are kind of working towards. But the two books that I am most excited about are the ones, at least on the Marvel side of things. Uh, first off, I'm going to be eating very well in 2022 because Ben Riley Spider-Man written by JMD Matias with art by David Baldione two incredible creators are going to be tackling Ben Riley's time as the 90s astonishing Spider-Man sensational Spider-Man uh in January 2022 this miniseries is going to kick things off and I am stoked. I'm going to have a present day Ben Riley doing his thing in Spider-Man Beyond. I'm going to have my past Ben Riley, my golden age Ben Riley doing his sensational thing in this miniseries. It's going to be great. And then rounding out our news for this week is the announcement that Captain America the Ghost Army, written by New York Times bestseller Alan Gratz and art by Brent Schoonover is going to be dropping next year. Um, this story is going is an all-ages tale, kind of, it's being set up in a similar vein as Superman Smashes the Clan, which if they do anywhere near the same kind of quality that that book is, it's going to be an all-timer for me. But it's going to be taking place in World War II. An 18-year-old Cap, fresh off of getting the serum alongside Bucky, is going to stumble upon a castle and is going to be running into characters with the last names Mordo and Maxim off so i'm super into this this sounds really really cool uh, it's not going to be dropping until august of 2022 but that means it's going to be dropping in time for my birthday so that one is going to be just an original graphic novel a big old one shot so i will be picking that up next year i'm very excited about that and i'm excited about all these comics all these comics sound really cool uh we're doing a big push for new content when it comes to comics uh with all the things that are going on at both dc and marvel and in the industry as a whole so comics are looking looking bright with all the tumultuous drama that's been going on for the past two years at this point with 2020 and 2021 um it's looking like we're gonna be getting some quality comics coming up at the end of this year and into next year but that is going to do it for this week's news like i said a short news segment but speaking of comic books, that is going to roll us right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, of this week's episode, where I count down my top five comics for new readers of Batman. The 
the Batman. For over 80 years, Bruce Wayne and his extended Bat family have been protecting Gotham, as well as the wider DC universe, against any perils and threats that may threaten it. But with all of that history, all of those years and years and decades of stories, it might be difficult for new comic book readers to figure out where they want to start reading Batman comics. I mean, I know that as someone who has been reading comics for a very long time, getting into it was kind of hard to navigate. A lot of times when people who are new to reading comics or getting into these heroes, uh, they really want to get into reading the books, but they don't know where to start because with all of the years of stories that have come out since Batman debuted in 1939, it kind of makes it difficult for someone who's never read a Batman comic to know where to start reading Batman comics. So, this week we're going to be diving into my top five new reader Batman comics. These are comics that I think you can give to anybody and get them into the world of Batman comics. Um... I think there should be definitely some caveats here, some disclaimers. Um, this isn't going to be a origin story, right? There aren't going to be any origin stories on this list. Um, just because I think everyone, for better or worse, knows Batman's origin. Bruce Wayne sees his parents gunned down in an alleyway, decides to become a crime fighter. And I think that the most interesting ways to enter into Batman is when he's fully formed. Now, there are exceptions here and there, but I think when, you know, comics come out with reintroductions or remixes of Batman's origin story you gain a better appreciation for them when you already have been reading the character for a certain amount of time. Um, also, some quick ground rules that I want to set up for this list before uh, we get into it, because I know a couple, a couple spots of this list might ruffle some feathers. So, uh, first off, no year one. I know this is going to probably turn some people off, and as perfect of an introduction to the character that I think Year One is, for someone who's trying to get into reading Batman comics on the regular, or to get into reading a catalog of Batman comics... Year One is just by itself. Year One is an island unto itself, a monolith in Batman stories, and it is incredible how good that story is and how much it's held up to today. However, once you read that story, where do you go from there? Where's the next story that comes after that? And don't say The Dark Knight Returns because that's decades in the future. The stories don't, you know, lead into each other. When you read... You know, when you read Batman Year One, yes, you can make a headcanon that it goes into stuff like Long Halloween, so on and so forth, but there's nothing that directly uh, leads into the next Batman story. And for this list, the 
idea behind it and the goal behind it is to get a new reader into a run of Batman. Because I think some of the best stories of Batman are the ones that happen in the monthly, sometimes bi-monthly, depending on which writer creative team, sometimes weekly, runs of that character. And with these entries, they're basically entry points into long-standing and celebrated runs on the character. So a couple more ground rules. Obviously, I want each each installment of this list to be a good story. I want it to be new reader friendly. This is with the knowledge that, yes, we all know the basis of Batman. We all get it. We all know the basics of the character. And if you don't, then these comics will do a serviceable job to get you up to speed with everything you need to know. And again, these are going to be beginnings of long-standing stories for the characters so no original graphic novels no earth one comics even those i even though i do like those as well no mini series no killing joke these are going to be entries in batman's comic book history where you can start reading and read for a while so with all of that out of the way uh let's just go ahead and dive into it i think it's it's worth talking about because I do think that there's a lot going on with Batman right now. Um, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, you know, there's a brand new Bat Family centric webcomic that is going to bring a lot of eyes that aren't regularly reading the Batman books at DC Comics to the character. Having it as a webcomic, having it up on Webtoon is going to make accessibility to the character even greater than it has been before. And also, we're getting a brand new creative team coming in December. Um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about where the character will go next. And every single time that we get a brand new creative team, it's exciting because you know how everyone looks at Batman but you don't know how everyone will write Batman so that's kind of the the thing that sparked me wanting to do this episode and hopefully if you are a new reader or you know someone who is looking to get into Batman comics this episode will be a comprehensive list for you to check out so without further ado diving into number five this is I am Gotham this is volume one of the Batman Rebirth series written by Tom King with art by David Finch and this is more or less the start of the current era of Batman comics. Back in 2016, DC Rebirth happened. We had that big, soft, company-wide reboot, which not so much was a hard reset like the New 52 was, but introduced a lot of different um, characters, a lot of different concepts back from the pre-New 52 era into this New 52 world. This led to stuff like the Green Arrow series, which was amazing, the Superman series, which was amazing, Doomsday Clock, which I will continue to not apologize for liking. But Let's go ahead and do a quick synopsis on this book so you can get a feel for what's going on. So the synopsis for Batman Volume 1, I Am Gotham, reads like this. Batman is Gotham City's greatest protector, but now he's not alone. 
There are two new heroes in town, a pair of masked metahumans with the powers of Superman, and a devotion to preserving all that is good about this twisted city. Calling themselves Gotham and Gotham Girl, they've saved Batman's life, fought by his side, and learned from his example. But what happens if Gotham's new guardians go bad? What if they blame the Dark Knight for the darkness that threatens to drown their city? When sinister forces are unleashed that can warp the minds of men and make heroes into monsters, the time will come for Batman and his allies to decide once and for all, is Gotham a force for good or an engine of evil? So this is an interesting uh, entry, and I think an interesting entry point for new readers to get into Batman. Obviously, this is the most recent jumping on point more or less when it comes to the character starting with uh batman rebirth number one and then going into the first six issues of that batman series so batman 2016 one through six um but it's also interesting and it's also i would say possibly controversial because of one tom king uh tom king's run on batman is one of the most polarizing uh runs that has ever been uh ever been done for the character. Tom King's Batman is either loved or desperately and violently hated. And that, I think, is due in part to the fact that the character was taken in directions that he hadn't been before, put in situations that he hadn't been before, and and was given, um, given a certain amount of uh, new characterization that hadn't been perhaps spotlighted as much as it had beforehand. And there are a lot of things that Tom King brought to the character that we hadn't really been given before in modern comic book runs. And even though I don't think it's necessarily the best Batman run of all time, I think it's absolutely up there for the dimensionality that it gave to the character, the trials and tribulations that the character was given, and honestly, for a lot of the amazing art and stories that happened in this run. You know, there are artists here like Joelle Jones, like Mikel Janine, like all of these artists that hadn't gotten a chance to write a Batman story who got to really put themselves on the map for perhaps more mainstream comic book readers or newer comic book readers who hadn't really heard of them before. And it also put them on display in DC's premiere book. As much as I love Superman and as much as he is my guy, Batman is always going to be DC's flagship flagship character for better or for worse and this run even though i don't think it it's definitely not universally loved kept at the forefront of readers minds for like i said with either love or with intense hatred um the kind of the path for this is you start here and you can go all the way up. You start at Batman Rebirth number one, you dive into Batman number one, and then it can take you all the way up to I think we're at what, like 113, 112 at this point? You know, it takes you through everything that's happened throughout the last five years, as well as into the current run of Batman comics with James Tynion IV, more on him later, as well as where we're going to be going next with Williamson and Molina later on down the line. But there are negatives to this book, and the book was probably the most controversial mainline comic book run that 
had been discussed in the last 10 years. Like I said, polarizing is, I think, a kind word to use with stuff like the War of Jokes and Riddles, um, I Am Suicide, you know, Bane taking over Gotham, and of course, the most controversial part of the run, The Wedding. The Wedding of Batman and Catwoman. Um, I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything because I do want you to you know, read these books. And even if you have, I think it warrants a re-listen. Or again, if you're trying to recommend and you're having new readers, you know, listen to this episode, I don't want to spoil it for them, which hello, new readers. Happy to have you here. Always, always love growing the comics community. But I really do think that even though, you know, there are things about this that I think could have been handled differently and things that I could have done without, such as the return of Flashpoint Batman, um, I do definitely think that this book is worth reading, if for nothing else than to see where the character is right now as we are reading him bi-weekly and month to month. So that is my number five pick. That is the... Much, uh, much maligned, much uh, filled with controversy Batman run. But again, I do think it is worth putting on this list if it being at the lowest spot. And it being low on the list is not equal, you know, it having a bad quality in any way. And I think that's going to ring true for this next entry. Number four on the list for me for the next best Batman entry point is... Batman and Son. This is written by Grant Morrison with art by Andy Kubert, and this begins one of the most iconic Batman runs of all time. This is Grant Morrison's beginning with their treatment of the Batman character. Uh, Here is a quick synopsis. Batman receives the shock of his life when he discovers that he has a son. Enter Damian Wayne. Trained by the League of Assassins, this offspring of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul isn't just the deadliest 10-year-old in the world, he's also intensely focused on being Batman's new sidekick, no matter which Robin stands in his way. So again, this is the start of Grant Morrison's iconic, defining run on the character. Uh, They had the Batman character for a very long time, and their treatment of the character is really what a lot of people kind of look at when it comes to how they see Batman, especially when it comes to comics. Um, This also gives us the debut of Damian Wayne, Grant, you know, arguably Grant Morrison's greatest creation. Who knows? That's a different discussion for a different podcast. But this uh, this entry takes place in Batman number 655 through 658, as well as 663 through 666. Um, and this really is the opening salvo for one of the most defining chapters of Batman's comic book history. Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison is a lot of things. And what they did with Batman was redefine the character. Uh, they started that in their JLA run in the mid mid-90s, mid to late-90s, but when they were able to kind of jump off the team book and really focus and uh, focus their laser pointer onto Batman as a character is when we got to see what they could do with Bruce Wayne and his extended supporting cast. Now, Grant Morrison is known for big ideas, big concepts, lots of um, continuity and, you know, attempts to take the character in new and exciting 
uh, directions. And that's exactly what I think they do with this run. You know, the early story, this opening story, introduces us to Damian Wayne, the secret love child of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. And the two of them are polar opposites. This is, you know, if you are unfamiliar with Talia al Ghul, daughter of Ra's al Ghul, the... I guess most famous eco-terrorist in comics, maybe? I, we'll have to do a top five eco-terrorists in comics episode someday. But the thing about this introduction is that Damian Wayne is what happens to Bruce Wayne if he is brought up by killers. And seeing Damian, who is this 10-year-old punk of a kid, you know, brought into this world of the Batman, of crime fighting, of vigilantes in Gotham City is a huge culture shock to not just the reader, but also to Batman himself. And this is where that relationship builds and grows. We get to see Damien's story clashing with Tim Drake, who's the Robin at this time. We get to see all of these things that had never been done with the character before. And the best thing about Grant Morrison is when they decide to go all in on a character, they go all in on that character. And that means telling stories that will excite you, that will surprise you, that will terrify you, but ultimately they will be stories that stick around for a very long time. Um, also, quick, I, I know I'm finished talking about that uh, that number five pick, but real quick, just as a... Just a Quick little coda on that. Um, the Tom King Batman run also has the perfect first Batman issue. Um, read it again. If you haven't read it in a long time, I know a lot of people are focused in on the ending and how the Tom King, the back half of the Tom King Batman run you know, went. But that first issue is chef's kiss Batman stories. But for this, for this run specifically, uh, this is the defining character um character building run for batman pre new 52 uh you start here you start here at batman 655 and you can follow the grant morrison saga taking you through batman incorporated taking you through batman r.i.p and taking you through my personal favorite batman run batman reborn aka batman and robin the golden age of batman and robin where Batman is not Bruce Wayne. No spoilers, but I definitely wanted to put it on this list, but I figured starting you here will give you, as a new reader, the tools that you need to fully appreciate Batman Reborn and beyond. Now, there are some negatives to this. Um, one thing that Grant Morrison loves to tout when they tell their stories is their love of continuity. Everything happened, everything matters, if you read a Batman story, it's canon. And this is something that's unfortunate for new readers and the fact that there will be things that pop up that Grant Morrison will say, hey, check this out. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? If you've never read it, you know, the um, the League of Batman throughout the world is a con is a deep cut of a concept. And though Grant Morrison does give you more or less what you need to know when the uh, characters pop back up in the Black Glove storyline. If you don't know those characters for a little bit, you're going to be like, what the hell is going on here? But again, 
what Grant Morrison does so well is they take the concept of Batman and really try to define what it is to be Batman. Not just as a vigilante, not just as a crime fighter, not just as a superhero, but as a symbol, as an icon. And that unfortunately leads into the other negative for this run, which is Bat God. Um, the one thing that I don't really jive with about Grant Morrison's Batman is that they write Batman like he is unstoppable like he is this force of nature which is cool if you're a huge like diehard Batman fan that never wants to see Batman you know bested but I don't know I like to see Batman struggle and even though there are trials and tribulations that Grant Morrison's Batman goes through, there's never a point where I'm like, okay, Batman's going to lose here. And that kind of takes the drama out of certain situations sometimes, not all the time. Again, this is a compelling and incredible run of comics, but it's not really, uh, not really, I think, a fully comprehensive look at the character. You don't get to really see him struggle as much as you do in other stories. Um, it's also a little strange when we do get to the New 52, because when the New 52 happens... The book that the two books that really were unaffected by it, and if you're unfamiliar with the New Fifty Two, it was basically in 2011 a company wide reboot where everybody was young, certain characters didn't meet each other, and it's you know superheroes have only been superheroes for five years, and so the only books that were untouched by this continuity wise were Green Lantern and Batman, their two best selling books at the time, and unfortunately this makes the um, the stuff that happens in Batman Incorporated and Bat and Grant Morrison touched Bat books after the New 52 reboot, incredibly strange to read. So those are the only negatives, though. All in all, I think it's a wonderful read. It gives you the tools to watch Batman go through some of the most harrowing stories that he's ever been a part of. And Grant Morrison's debut of Damian Wayne and subsequent development of Damian Wayne is really genuinely a pleasure to read through. So that is number four. At number three, I have Rise of the Batman. This is a bit of a cheat because it's not just a Bat book, but with a lot of the... Uh, news about Batman being the Bat Family web cartoon slash web comic. I think we need to have at least one Bat Family entry on this list. And I can't think of a better Bat Family book than the Rebirth Detective Comics run, written by James Tynion IV, with art by Eddie Barrows and Alvaro Martinez. Uh, this is Rebirth at its best. DC Rebirth was never. Never the same after this run and the uh, Superman Rebirth run wrapped up. For me, at least. Um, this is the... This is, for me at least, the crown jewel of the Bat books when it comes to that Rebirth era. And when we talk about the synopsis, you're going to quickly see why. So let's go ahead and dive into that. So, synopsis goes like this. An elite fighting force modeled after the Dark Knight has invaded the streets of Gotham. Their armor, weaponry, and surveillance equipment are based on Batman's tech and tactics, but they're far beyond anything he's ever seen. And while these Batman's moves remain a mystery, their targets are all too clear. They're gunning for Gotham's vigilantes. Uh, 
Batman knows he can't face this foe alone, and neither can the crime fighters caught in the crossfire. So with Batwoman, secretly Bruce Wayne's cousin Kate Kane, as his general, he's organizing the next generation of Gotham heroes into an army. Tim Drake, a.k.a. Red Robin, Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Spoiler, Cassandra Kane, a.k.a. The Orphan, and reformed criminal Basil Carlo, a.k.a. Clayface. These are the shock troops in Batman and Batwoman's war. When they finally see the face of their true enemy, will they stand together or fall apart? So this is genuinely one of my favorite runs of comics ever. And... If I haven't sold you on this yet, it's basically Bat-X-Men. So (laughs) it is Batman and Batwoman bringing together this team of young heroes as well as one reformed villain to try and defend Gotham against this new threat. And you know how much I love me some Tim Drake. Tim Drake is the best Robin. Tim Drake is an incredible character who had been absolutely shit on for the entire New 52 run of DC Comics. And Rebirth, specifically James Tynan IV, wanted to fix that. And I believe he did so, starting here in Detective Comics number 934 through Detective Comics number 940 and beyond. Uh, James Tynan IV has a very interesting uh, relationship with Batman in that James Tynan IV has been a fan. This is the dream of a Bat fan eventually growing into a Bat writer and developing one of the defining Batman stories. And right now, as I'm recording this, James Tynan IV is is writing the current Batman run alongside Georgia Menez, and they are doing an incredible job peaking here in Fear State, but my love affair with Tynan and his vision of how Gotham should be when it comes to its crime fighters started here in Detective Comics Rebirth. And this team bringing together characters like Spoiler, Cassandra Kane, aka the deadliest fighter in the DC Universe, don't at me, alongside Clayface who was such an out-of-left-field choice, but when you read the book, it feels, you know, he's integral, integral to this story. The story would not be the same without Clayface, without Basil Carlo's redemption and Fall from Grace as well, but the thing about this that's great is that you can see a through line when it comes to Tynan's work on Batman. If you start here, if you start at Detective Comics number 934, read all the way through Tynan's run of Detective Comics, and then jump over to his run in Batman, it feels seamless. It feels like a one gigantic story. And yes, there are certain things that happen in the mainline Batman book that you'll probably want to be read up on, but if you're following this list, or if you're reading things concurrently, you're going to have all the tools you need. And what's great about this is that this book really puts the spotlight on Batman's extended supporting cast. You know, characters that don't often get the spotlight, like a Cassandra Kane, like a Kate Kane. You know, you get to see these characters shine in some of their best and most heart-wrenching stories. The end of this first arc had me in tears at the end of it. And 
watching how this story develops as the mystery of the rebirth event grows and changes is one of the most fascinating examples of a comic book run changing as it goes along that I've ever seen. Unfortunately, that does lend itself to a negative, which is that the book is so heavily tied to Rebirth as a story because of what they do with specific characters, Tim Drake, that it feels like at certain points the book is hampered by the fact that it has to be tied into the greater machinations of Rebirth and all the mysteries going on in that. And it doesn't feel necessarily as free to tell its own story. Also, there are certain characters and certain stories that I'm not a huge fan of. I... I I uh, I couldn't care less about the first victim. I really I'm sorry I don't. I just I don't. I don't like them. I don't feel like they're compelling. But the best thing about this is is again, this is Tynan's love for Tim Drake and for Batman as a character personified. And if you're looking for if you're jonesing for some Batman family content after you've read through all the available chapters of that Wayne Family Adventures webcomic, jump over here and you're going to know exactly what you're getting into and there is going to be a wild ride ahead of you. There is so much that goes on with the greater run and this opening um this opening arc really gets you into what makes these characters tick. You know, the fact that Tim Drake is kind of the one that's orchestrating all this and he has a very complicated relationship with spoiler the fact that bruce and kate who are cousins and who have led very different and yet very similar lives as well their whole power struggle when it comes to the direction of the team cass and clayface's friendship is one of the greatest stories in comics And I know that that's, I'm talking big, but you would be hard-pressed, I think, to find anyone that disagrees. The friendship and the bond that forms between Cass and Basil is incredible, and it really is the heart of this book. So this is absolutely one of my favorite runs on Batman, period. And if you're looking for something that gives you not just a look at Batman, but also the people who are interconnected in his life, both out and in of the costume, this is the book for you. And that is why it is number three on my list. So going into number two, carrying on the love of Tim Drake, this is A Lonely Place of Dying. This is written by Marv Wolfman with art by George Perez and Jim Aparo, and this is classic Batman. If you've been listening to this so far and have been like, where's the classic Batman? Here it is. Here it is. I had to put it on here, not just because of my love for Tim Drake, not just because I felt like I had to do some kind of quota for, you know, classic Batman stories, but because it's genuinely an incredible place to start reading Batman comics. Uh, The synopsis goes like this. Following Jason Todd's death, Batman is pushed to the limits. Meanwhile, Dick Grayson goes on a journey of self-discovery as he returns to the place where it all began. As the Dark Knight and Two-Face face off, Dick Grayson and newcomer Tim Drake discuss the future of Batman and Robin. So this story is 
the introduction to Tim Drake. This is what brought Tim Drake into Batman comics. This is what brought Tim Drake into DC comics. And it's also one of the best places to enter in with Batman. Now, I think pretty much everyone and their mother knows about Jason Todd. They know about death in the family. They know about the fact that Jason Todd was killed by the Joker. It's pretty common knowledge, even if you're not a Batman fan. So many people know who the Red Hood is, that it's like, you know, even if you've never read a Batman comic, you know what happened with Jason Todd. So picture this as a new reader. You've heard of Jason Todd. You've heard of Batman and Robin. You know the concepts, but you're wanting to get in on the ground floor. You're wanting to get in with a character through whose eyes you can see yourself growing and learning more about the world. Well, enter Tim Drake. Tim Drake brings in such a different perspective on the Batman mythos because the story starts off and Tim Drake is this you know random kid living in Gotham City who figures out that Batman is Bruce Wayne and from there the story the path that he goes on is a classic hero's journey if I've ever seen one Uh, this takes place not just in Batman number 440 441 and 442 but also with New Titans number 60 and 61 and there's the rub ladies and gentlemen you get not just Batman's story but you also get a Dick Grayson story which is of course the best Dick Grayson is one of the best characters in all of comics and is arguably the most important character to ever be created in comic books I don't have time to get in on my take on that but I do think that having the parallel perspectives of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne over the course of this story really helps in giving us that introduction to Tim Drake and them giving him his blessing at their blessing at the end of the story and allowing him to become the new Robin really does give you as a new reader a place to start with and a character to root for. And the thing about Wolfman and Perez classic duo. Wolfman and Perez are one of the best duos in all of comics. Um, You can go back and you can look at, you know, really iconic duos when it comes to comics. Grant Morrison and um, Frank Quitely. I mean, Frank... Grant Morrison has had so many good collaborators, but I I would say Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely, um, Bendis and Bagley, uh, Snyder and Capullo. You know, you look at these characters, you know, through the lens of creative teams who have gone in to define them, and I don't know if a creative team has done more to define our views or our um, the way that we look at DC Comics like Marv Wolfman and George Perez. For God's sake, they gave us the Teen Titans. They gave us something that is continually getting rebooted. You know, being given stuff like the original Teen Titans animated series, the current Titans run right now. You know, their creation eventually led to stuff like Young Justice. And the fact that they got to team up again to tell the story of a brand new young hero just continues to establish that they are two of the most influential duos in all of comics, not just DC comics. And also, you can't at all um, just toss Jim Aparo to the side. Jim Aparo is one of the most iconic Batman artists 
ever. Uh, if you look at classic, you know, pre-2000s Batman, there's a good chance that the Batman you're picturing is Jim Aparo's. And with this story, with Jim Aparo and uh, Marv Wolfman at the helm of the Batman installments, and Wolfman and Perez on the New Titans installments, this is a recipe for greatness. And what this book ends up being is not just a great introduction to Batman and his world, but also to the wider DC universe. In the new Titans books, you get to see the other Titans dealing with the fact that, oh yeah, Jason Todd died, and this is just a year later. And now Dick Grayson, who is Nightwing, has to struggle with the idea of, should I go back home? Should I be Robin again? Should I go back and be there for Bruce? And you also get to see what Jason Todd's death has done to Bruce Wayne. You get to see what it's done to Batman. The story starts off and he's fighting a guy on the edge of a dam. Like, come on. That is thrilling Batman action if I've ever seen it. Like, this is the definition of a starting chapter, of an opening chapter for new readers. And if you start here, if you start at Batman 440, you go through from there into the run that follows with Tim Drake developing as Robin, you get to see 90s Batman, which is one of the best examples of how a decade can take a character on a roller coaster. We get stories like Contagion, we get stories like Cataclysm, we get stories like No Man's Land, but we also get to see the character go through stuff like Nightfall. We get to see the character pushed to his limits and threatened in a way that he hadn't been before. And you get to see it all through the eyes of Tim Drake. You get to start here with the sidekick entering into the world, learning all these things, meeting all these people, and you get to watch as that character grows and changes, how he goes from idolizing these characters to counting himself among them. And the story, the saga of Tim Drake that you get from starting here and reading through is why it's so incredibly frustrating to me when I see that character mistreated in modern comics. Because for a lot of people... My age, and, you know, I would even go as far to say at least, you know, 10 years older, this is their Robin. This is the Robin that they had. This is the Robin that they grew up with in the comics. And yes, Dick Grayson is the more well-known one, but Tim Drake's contribution to not just the role of Robin, but also to Batman as a character cannot be understated. And it's the reason why... If you want to enter in on the ground level of Batman comics, there is no better place than right here with Batman, a lonely place of dying. Except for one place. There's one other place you can enter into Batman comics that will give you not the same experience, but... An iconic and defining experience on the character nonetheless. And I think if you've been reading Batman comics, you know what's coming. You know what's going to be number one. But if you haven't, and you haven't read through Batman comics, if you haven't given yourself the um, the opportunity to dive into a fully formed uh, run of Batman comics, that I don't think there is a better place to start than the Court of Owls. This is the defining modern Batman run. And this is the story that kick-started 
the best part of the new 52. Um, this is written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo. And the synopsis goes a little something like this. After a series of brutal murders rocks Gotham City, Batman begins to realize that perhaps these crimes go far deeper than appearances suggest. As the Cape Crusader begins to unravel this deadly mystery, he discovers a conspiracy going back to his youth and beyond to the origins of the city he's sworn to protect. Batman has heard tales of Gotham City's Court of Owls, that the members of this powerful cabal are the true rulers of Gotham. The Dark Knight dismissed the stories as rumors in old wives' tales. Gotham was his city. Until now. A brutal assassin is sinking his razor-sharp talons into the city's best and brightest, as well as its most dangerous and deadly. If the Dark Legends are true, this master's his, ma- his masters are more powerful predators than the Batman could ever imagine. So this was a revelation at the time because what had been the status quo for Batman so- for so long was Grant Morrison's take on the character. For God's sake, Grant Morrison's grip on Batman was pretty much the entire decade of the 2000s. You know, there would be other writers that would come in for certain stories, but the 2000s was... Morrison's Batman and like I stated before their take on Batman is the take that a lot of people have on Batman and it is iconic for a reason but the best thing and also sometimes the worst thing about the new 52 was that it brought in new talent new voices on characters that had been established for a long time so we're talking about Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo Scott Snyder at this point had been known for American Vampire that was kind of his claim to fame He had written a couple books here and there for Batman, namely one of my favorite Batman stories of all time, The Black Mirror, but had also written Batman Gates of Gotham, which is an underappreciated gem that more people should read. However, he wasn't writing Bruce as Batman. He was writing Dick Grayson as Batman, my preferred Batman, but that is neither here nor there. And this was his proving ground. This was the time for him to step up and take the reins of Bruce as Batman and see where he could take it. Similarly, Greg Capullo was coming hot off his run with Spawn. Greg Capullo buttered his bread with the Spawn comics, taking the reins from Todd McFarlane when it comes to the art department and really establishing that style and establishing that character at least visually through into the modern age and him jumping into batman felt like a an easy jump it felt like an easy transition for him but the coolest thing about this is watching his art grow and change on this book i don't think i've ever seen an example of an artist growing and changing and developing their style, their personal art style through a character like you see through here. Um, This opening series of Batman, um, which I'm extending through the Court of Owls into the Night of Owls event, because it's all all one story, is uh, Batman 2011, issues 1 through 12, and arguably, this is Batman at his best. This is Batman in his quintessential form. Um... This is, if you if you have just off the top of your head, if you've never read a Batman comic, but you know about Batman, maybe you've watched a movie or two, when you think of Batman, this is Batman. 
This is the gritty, hard-nosed detective who also can kick all kinds of ass. And what's great about this story is that if you are a new reader, you are getting in on the ground level of the introduction of a concept that has become one of the greatest modern Batman concepts. And if you are someone who has been reading Batman for a while, or someone who has a fairly good familiarity with the character when it comes to their comics, you get to watch as Batman and his concept, and maybe your concept of Gotham, gets flipped on its head. How thrilling is that? That it gives you something for both longtime readers as well as new readers. You hardly get opportunities like that with comic books, just in general, with how long continuity spans for. But what they did so well is just that in this book with the Court of Owls. The secret society that has been running Gotham for... Years and years. And I mean, this isn't a brand new concept. We've seen stuff like this in Spectre from the James Bond uh, franchise. We've seen this all over the place. A secret organization pulling the strings. It's almost blasé by now. But this feels new. It feels like a big deal because Bruce Wayne treats it like a big deal. Bruce Wayne is caught off guard by this. And this is what I was getting into with my point on uh, Morrison's run, where I don't think they had Bruce struggle as much as he could have, just based on the fact that they were telling a very specific story about Bruce as an icon. Here, Bruce is a man. Bruce is someone who is fallible. Bruce is someone who makes mistakes. And Bruce is someone who made a very big mistake at the beginning of his career thinking that the Court of Owls was just a myth. And we get to see that bite him in the ass throughout this entire story. There are moments where he is on the back foot. There are moments where he is scrambling and having to think on the fly, which I think is the best part of superhero comics when they don't have a plan and they're having to think on their feet and fly by the seat of their pants to solve a situation that they were not prepared for. That's the most exciting part for me, at least, reading superhero comics is when the plan goes wrong and you have to figure your way out of it. It's like jazz. It's like improv. Um, but what this book does so well is that, you know, it takes that concept of Batman and says, yeah, you might think you know Batman, but we're going to shake up the whole deal. We're going to shake up the whole chessboard so that the pieces on there, not only are they not in the same place, but they don't even know what their role is anymore. This book allowed us to look at not just Batman, but his greater supporting family differently. And this led into stories like Death of the Family. This led into stories like Endgame. And of course, my favorite, Super Heavy! Um... But when it comes to this book, if you start here, you start at Batman number one from 2011, you get a solid 50 issues of Batman being put through his paces in the same way that he was in Grant Morrison's run, except you get to see him struggle. And I know, again, this might be, you know, an unpopular opinion, but I do prefer the Snyder Capullo version of the character because he's fallible. Because he makes mistakes. Because everything that happens to him matters. And he is not this gigantic, you know, 
monolith that is going to live for you know hundreds of millions of years past him even though there are aspects of that in this run we get to see bruce wayne the man alongside batman the symbol and that's what i love about not just this story but the run as a whole now there are some problems you know with this run it's not infallible um arguably i think the point could be you know the point could be made that the run of Snyder and Capullo on Batman kind of peaks in this first arc. Um, nothing really hits the same when it comes to how it changes the concept of Gotham City in this run of Batman like the Court of Owls does. Though, again, super heavy. But I do think that even though the strong probably thematically and narratively the strongest part of this run starts in this arc that just makes this story more incredible and even though you know the run itself you know half of it is flashback and someone else in the bat suit besides bat besides bruce wayne as a whole as a five-act structure as you know, a story from beginning to end of Batman and what he means to the city and what he means to Bruce Wayne as a person, you could not ask for a better entry point. Yes, you know, this is building upon the tumultuous continuity that Grant Morrison had set up during their run throughout the late 90s and early 2000s all of the 2000s but what's great about this is that it gives you the primer it gives you everything you need and then also allows you to receive and process new information while bruce is receiving and processing new information what's great about this run is what's great about the previous entry a lonely place of dying where from there from that story onward you get to see the batman universe through tim drake's eyes here you are in the driver's seat with bruce you get to learn information with bruce and you get to see him struggle you get to see him grow you get to see him change and put his faith in other people and lose that faith as the story goes on and what this run really is and what this story really is is a love letter to gotham city it is a love letter to batman and it's a love letter to what that character means not just to dc comics but to comic books as a whole when you get down into it what this entry and what all five of these entries really mean at the heart of them is the same thing that Batman the character means for everyday people who are reading his stories or watching his exploits on TV or in a movie theater. When kids see Batman, they see this normal guy who can do extraordinary things, and it gives them the hope that they can do the things that he does too. And hopefully, when we're talking about stories like these, like entry points like these, when they see the joy that comes from reading these incredible Batman stories, they can look at longtime readers of Batman comics and know that they can enjoy them too. 
Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And honestly, surprisingly enough, um, last week was chock full of great books but i eventually settled on fantastic four life story number four i did not think this was going to be the pick of the week i was very surprised at how much i absolutely loved this issue um set in the 90s the world is changing around the ff and things have not been the same since a noted member of the team died last issue no spoilers, go read this book. Um, but I was very, very surprised at how much I love this issue. Um, they're getting set for that big old showdown with Galactus, and I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. But that's last week's books. Take a look back at this week's books, and we've got nine books for you this week of the Marvel, DC, and Independent Comics variety. So let's go ahead and dive into into this list kicking things off we have batman appropriately number 113 this is written by james tynan the fourth and brandon thomas with art by george jimenez and i mean come on come on we're at the beginning of fear state and it is already amazing i'm loving the art loving the progression of the story um this is really the times where i'm like god i wish this run would keep going i know that we have some awesome stuff with williamson and um uh oh my god why am i why am i blanking on his name i know someone is shouting at me right now um it's Joshua Williamson. He's he's one of my George Molina. George Molina. Oh my God! Why why did I do that? Why would anyway? Um, uh, George Molina and Joshua Williamson. I know they've got a lot of stuff coming up that is looks amazing, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. I kind of wish we'd get more of Tynan. But uh, Batman Fear State got off to a killer start, and I'm really excited to see where the Fear State event goes. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Fear State Part 2 slash DIY Part 2. Ghostmaker reveals a dark revelation about his past connection to Jonathan Crane, while Batman puts together the pieces of Scarecrow's master plan. Using the Unsanity Collective's technology, the villain plans to detonate a fear bomb in Gotham City. Meanwhile, Clown Hunter has been dosed by the Scarecrow with a deadly fear toxin and is now traveling through his greatest nightmare of Gotham City. Will the Clown Hunter center himself and strike back at Scarecrow, or will he succumb to all his worst fears? So, yeah, lots of great stuff. I'm so glad we're getting more of Bow. I'm so glad we're getting more Clown Hunter. I really enjoyed Clown Hunter's character in Joker War, and I'm so glad that he's finally resurfaced here, and I can't wait to see him link back up with Bruce. Next up, we have X-Men, the Onslaught Revelation number one. This is the... I guess sequel series are like the climax of the Way of X book that has been leading up to it. Uh, it's written by Simon Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn. Um, 
yeah, Onslaught's back. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, this book has really been kind of leading up to this. Uh, it's basically Nightcrawler and Legion against Professor X, c- controlled by Onslaught. Onslaught is back in a big bad way, and let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. You have strayed from the way of X. The onslaught is upon you. The X-Men's greatest foe, mutant kind's primal evil, slithers in the minds of its most senior leaders. The kids whisper of the Crucible, a party to end all parties, a party to end everything. The seals are broken, the trumpets have sounded, only a small band of eccentric mutants can hope to break the fall. Can Nightcrawler light the spark that will drive out the shadows, or will Krakoa slip into the abyss? That's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, this is pretty much the culmination of the Way of X book. Um, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go down. There's so much going on in Krakoa right now. There's so much going wrong. But uh, next up, we have Radiant Black number eight. This is written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa with Natalia Marquez and Becca Carey. Um, yeah, this book is great. I mean, Radiant Black is consistently surprising, bringing in these other Radiants that are kind of sort of Power Rangers, but not. They've all got wacky abilities and no one knows what's going on or why they have these, you know, Radiant Black holes. But I am very interested to dive further into the lore, which I think is what we're going to be getting with this next upcoming arc. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The battle for the Radiance tears through Chicago. Can this unlikely new team stand against an enemy who knows more about their powers than they do? And even if they win, what happens next? So yeah, just lots of intrigue, lots of mystery. I'm very excited to see where this goes next. Next up, we have The United States of Captain America, number four. This is written by Christopher Cantwell and Alyssa Wong, with art by Dale Eaglesham and Jody Nishijima. This is bringing in my boy, Ari, or I guess my girl. <laughs> the latest Captain America is going to be making her debut, our Filipina goddess. Um, very excited, very excited to see her debut in this book. And even though this United States of Captain America is not the book that I thought it was going to be. Um, I still think the book is incredibly important. I think it's very exciting to get these new caps every single issue. And now we're going to be getting more classic caps as well with a couple new pawns on the board. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. John Walker, a.k.a. the U.S. Agent, and Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, join the fight against a vicious Captain America imposter and his shadowy patrons. As the chase leads them to interrupt a break-in at one of the most secure facilities in the country, the true magnitude of the forces arrayed against them finally becomes clear. But are they too late to stop what's already been put in motion? Also, introducing Ariel Agbayani, the campus Captain America, America. With her college turns a blind eye to rich kids behaving badly, she springs into action, and she's not afraid to fight dirty. 
So yeah, that just sounds awesome. I'm very, very excited to pick this one up for sure. Next up, we have Superman, Son of Kal-El, number three, written by Tom Taylor with art by John Timms. Um, I've, I've, I've been loving this book, man. I was very... Um, I don't want to say disappointed, but I wish that we had gotten just a Tom Taylor, Clark Kent book, but honestly, Tom's knocking it out of the bark. That's right. I'm on first name basis with uh, Tom Taylor. Uh, Tom Taylor has been just absolutely crushing it in everything that he does. And Superman son of Kal-El is no different. I cannot believe that he is writing two of my favorite books at dc right now um probably soon to be three with dark knights of steel who knows but let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here jonathan kent hasn't been superman for long but he's upset some powerful people with his heroism and the underground news source known as the truth is helping john open his eyes to evils in the world that could be more powerful than the new man of steel continuing the brand new saga from tom taylor the writer of nightwing and john Timms, artist on future states superman of metropolis it's superman so yeah um this book like i said i love this book i think it's it's surprising just how incredible it is each each month so pick this one up for sure next up we have x-men number three this is written by jerry duggan with art by pepe Larraz, and this book also has been crushing it the last two issues have been fantastic i love the x-men getting back into the superhero game and now they're going to be tangling with the high evolutionary so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here Fearless Chapter 3. Evolution is the enemy. The X-Men are no strangers to being targeted for their genes, but when the High Evolutionary returns with his brand of unnatural selection, the survival of the whole planet is at stake. Yeah, short, sweet, to the point. Um, This sounds awesome. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number four. This is written by Tom King with art by Bilkis Evely. Um, God. This book's so good. Like, I know I just said that for other books on this list, but Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is freaking incredible. Every single issue that comes out, I fall further in love with the story, with these characters, with the art. Oh my God, the art. It's so good. It's so good. And it's painting Supergirl in a light that you don't normally see her in, which I think is really, really interesting. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Supergirl sets her sights on the brigands, a group of dastardly nomads hell-bent on slaughtering all they come across. Now she must follow their path of destruction to find the fugitive they've been hiding who set her on this intergalactic journey in the first place. So this is the halfway point. This is issue four of eight. So expect a big old midpoint twist or reveal or some kind of big conflict arise. I can't wait to pick this book up. It's so good. Next up, we have a big number one, a book that has been hotly anticipated, The Death of Doctor Strange number one. This is written by Jed McKay with art by Lee Garbett. Um... We don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, We do know that Doctor Strange is dying. We do know that there is going to be a brand new Sorcerer Supreme. But other than that, we know next to nothing. So I am very, very interested to see what they do here, how they are going to uh, tell this story. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
death comes for the Sorcerer Supreme. Dr. Stephen Strange is the world's greatest neurosurgeon and Earth's Sorcerer Supreme. He defends our planet from the supernatural and interdimensional threats no other hero is equipped to handle. But what would happen if he unexpectedly died? Who would protect Earth and keep the mystical devils at bay? And most importantly, who killed Stephen Strange? The final chapter in the life of Doctor Strange starts here. Yeah, big blockbuster style storytelling is what that's teasing there. Um, I'm excited. I'm really interested to see how this murder mystery goes. You know how much I love my murder mysteries. And with, I mean, with the trial of Magneto just kind of tossing the murder mystery formula out the window, um, I'm interested to see if this goes the same way or if it sticks in kind of that classic murder mystery genre style. But the big book of the week for me, the big book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Nightwing number 80. Four. This is written, of course, by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo and Robbie Rodriguez. Um, yeah, this is a Fear State tie-in. This is taking a quick detour from everything going on in the Nightwing book, which there is a lot, to participate in Fear State. Nightwing's coming back to Gotham to help out, and this is notable because this is the first Batman event that Nightwing has been in since he became Rick Grayson. Like, he was involved in Joker War in his Rick persona, but this is the first time Nightwing has been in a Batman um, event in a while. And since Batman events happen pretty much every six months, that's kind of a big deal. So I'm excited to see him back in the fray. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. When the Bat family receives misleading information and incorrect directions from Oracle, ones Babs didn't send herself, they realize Oracle's system has been hacked. But who is powerful enough to break into Oracle's own super-secure network? And what personal information is now at risk? Not only that, this mysterious anti-Oracle has taken advantage of Gotham City's state of fear, and has bombarded the city with falsities, spreading even more fear. With the Bat Team's comms unreliable, Nightwing heads to Gotham to find the source of anti-Oracle's transmissions. Yeah, so he is going on a one-man mission to figure out what is going on with this anti-Oracle nonsense. I am very intrigued to see who this anti-Oracle is, and if it's going to be, end up being someone that we know, or a new character. Um, if any, if nothing else, Tynan has done a fantastic job introducing new characters without having to make them, ooh, it's an older character just remixed. So this could be a brand new character, and I'd be okay with that. Really looking forward to picking this up. But that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Batman number 113, X-Men The Onslaught Revelation number 1, Radiant Black number 8, The United States of Captain America number 4, Superman Son of Kal-El number 3, X-Men number 3, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number 4, The Death of Doctor Strange number 1, and Nightwing number 84. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explained podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, they really help me out, really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, kind of raises our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. 
you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can join the likes of our almost dirty dozen, including Seafire ND, Joshua Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, and A-Lock and AZ. I want to say a big thank you to all these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Also, if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag, if you have a question for me, you want to get a quick pitch, maybe my opinion on something that's happened in geek culture lately, or even if you just want some recommendations that maybe we haven't covered on the podcast yet, you can email me. I read them. I read everything you send to me. It really does make my day when I get emails from you guys. Um, you can send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Just put mailbag in the subject header and I'll read it here on the podcast. Finally, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit on the latest geeky news, you can feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter at Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P O D. I'm a little more active on Twitter than I am on Instagram. I am trying to change that. So keep me honest. Let me know. Um, but I am definitely active on Twitter. And what's really exciting is that we just wrapped up a poll on our Twitter that if you were following us, you were able to participate in. Thank you to everyone who voted. And the results of the poll have determined that next week, in next week's episode, we are bringing back the weekly review because a little show's coming back for their third season, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol Season 3 is dropping this Thursday as of this recording. So next week, we'll see the return of the weekly review as I go through every single episode of Season 3. And again, if you want to participate in future polls, there will be one up, I'm sure, coming up here soon. Just follow me on Twitter, at Pod, and I love talking to you guys. Also, quick plug, very exciting things. This weekend, if you are familiar with the internet geek community, comic tube, all of that stuff, you will know that At Home Comic Con is going to be on YouTube this Saturday and Sunday all day. They've got panels, amazing guests from all over the corner of comic tube, as well as some incredible comic creators that are going to be doing panels. Uh, Owen from Owen Likes Comics, Matt from Matt Draper YouTube channel, as well as Drake from the Comic Drake YouTube channel have put together another incredible event and ya boy got on the card ya boy is booked for the card i am on day two i will be doing the superhero rpg panel where i along with some incredible geeks are going to be playing some dungeons and dragons superhero style telling the story of brand new superheroes going out on their first mission. I am very excited about this. It's going to be DM'd by Scott Nicewander from the NerdSync YouTube channel and featuring some amazing geeks as player characters. Tune into that at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I think that's around 8.30 PST for those of us on the West Coast on Sunday. But make sure you tune in for the entire event on Saturday and Sunday. The folks who have been putting this together have worked very, very hard on this, and they've got some incredible Incredible content coming up for it. So tune in for that. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's 
episode. Um, let me know if you enjoyed this list. Let me know if there are any other Batman comics that you think would be good entry points for new readers. I would love to have that discussion with you. And also, if you want to reach out and chat about it, feel free through email, through social media, whatever. But that about wraps it up for this week. Next week, we're going to be doing a very special Geek Explained episode where I'm going to tell you everything about a character who's uh, going to be hitting theaters later on that week. So join me as I Geek Explain Carnage himself, Cletus Cassidy. Next week, same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Gazana. For those of you who I will see at At Home Comic Con this weekend, I'll see you then. Otherwise, stay safe. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>